Chapter 10, The Wedding. Anthony and I planned to marry the following February, but the good bishop wanted us to marry in December. It was October when we told him. That would give us only one month to prepare for the wedding. We obeyed and were married in December. The wedding was nice and small. I made all the bridesmaids' dresses, and Anthony's cousin did the decorations. She even found us a little duplex that was identical to hers, three doors down from the church. The last thing I wanted to do was live that close to the church. If we missed service, the members would know we were at home, and they might drop by in any, at any time. But she did pay the deposit and the first month rent as a wedding gift. The people who worked in my unit at work gave me a wonderful wedding shower. The good bishop married us. I had seen a lot of weddings he performed, but our wedding was different from any I had ever seen. He even said we were a couple he was going to really marry. This is what God wanted him to do. The words he used during the ceremony were strange. Tonight, this couple has come before God and the congregation of his people. Satan has already set opposition against this couple. Saints, I'm going to pray for them. God will hold this union for his will and his purpose. I bind them together in the name of Jesus. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. Let the church of God say amen. The good bishop preached these words for a while. I was almost afraid to marry Anthony. It was as if the good bishop knew some force would try to tear us apart and he was doing all he could to hold us together. All I wanted was a simple and quick ceremony. Instead, the good bishop circled around us several times as if he were binding us with a cord or a rope. During the first week of our marriage, I had the same kind of dream every night. Anthony was always in the dreams and was trying to get to me but we were always apart from each other. In one of the dreams, I was on an island and he was on a ship. When it was time for him to get off the ship, the ramp came up and the ship sailed away. No matter how hard I tried, I could never reach him. I'd wake up with tears in my eyes. When I told him about the dreams, he'd hold me close and say he'd never leave me. If I could only have another dream to replace that nightmare, but I could never redo my dreams, erase any of my visions, no matter how hard I tried. In February, I developed a bad case of tonsillitis. Three days after the surgery, my face was swollen twice its normal size. I couldn't move without any pain in my joints. Anthony was terrified. He rushed me to the emergency room. The admitting nurses thought he had beat me up. 
I looked just that bad. After the doctors found I was allergic to penicillin, they gave me a cortisone shot and a lot of other medicines. I could have, I would have to get a shot every day for three months. My eyes were the only part of my body that I could move without pain. I was bedridden for about two months. Maybe that's why the good bishop encouraged us to get married in December instead of February. I wouldn't have gotten married if I was sick. Hmm. When Anthony came home from work every night, he would ask me if I was still hurting, and he'd pray for me. He would pray out loud. I could see the love he had for me as the tears fell from his eyes. I was never good at praying out loud. One day, the good bishop came over with bottles of medicine from the health food store. He explained what each pill was and how I should take them. A bottle of Morgan David wine was in the last bag he opened. I was surprised. Then he said, daughter, drink a small glass of this every day. This will help your body build up blood. But don't you go and drink too much, else you'll end up like your father, an alcoholic. I'm praying for you. God will see you through this. Yes, sir. I said as I stared at the bottle of wine sitting on the table. I thought it was a sin to drink alcohol. But if the good bishop said I could do it, then it had to be okay. As he was leaving, he looked at Anthony with a very stern look and said, Son, you stop riding that gal every night. She too weak for that right now. You put yourself on a good long fast. And after that, you all can come together again. Let her alone for a while. You hear me? Yes, sir. That was Anthony's reply. This made me so embarrassed. The good bishop had entered our bedroom and our sex life. This was too much. But after he left, Anthony and I laughed and wrestled with each other as we headed for the bedroom. Wrestling each other had become our second favorite pastime. I knew I was feeling better when we started to wrestle again. The next day, when we were in the middle of making love, who but the good bishop comes over. We didn't even open the door, but he knew where we were at home because our car was in the driveway. After that, we started looking for another place to live. Anthony's cousin wasn't very happy with that idea. The church members were too close to us and were watching our every move. We didn't have any freedom. The next year, we bought a nice house. It was in a secluded neighborhood and nowhere near the church or any of the members. Much to the surprise of the church members, I gave birth to my first son 14 months later. They thought I was pregnant when I got married. My son was a beautiful boy who looked just like me. I was amazed at how much he favored me. I named him Keith. 
Anthony wanted me to name the baby after him. During my, but during my pregnancy, I fell in love with the name Keith. Anthony was very proud of our son and spent a lot of time with the baby. He washed all the bottles and the diapers. We were very happy. I went back to work after six weeks and was still on the night shift. Anthony started to work on the day shift, so we didn't need a babysitter. Our church life slowed down. We just didn't have the time we had before the baby came. The good bishop was upset when Anthony didn't come to church. After all, he was the drummer. The services just wasn't the same without him beating those drums. The women in the church just loved him. Some of them loved him a little too much. I was still naive and a devout follower of the church's doctrine, even if I didn't agree with some of their teachings. That was one thing that really bothered me. If you miss two weeks of service, a member would come to your house to see why you were missing church. When mother, whenever mother missed, they didn't come to our house to see what was wrong. <laughs> oh, but I forgot my father would probably be drunk and tell them where they could really go. And they knew this. Anthony loved to play dominoes. He and Ronald pay, played at our house sometimes. I knew my father played the game, but I didn't know Ronald knew how to play dominoes. I would make some snacks and cold drinks for them. It was nice to have a good time doing something else besides church stuff. Sometimes they let me play, but I played the game too slow. One day, a young man from church came over to our house unexpectedly while a domino game was going on. I was watching television and asked him to have a seat. He said, okay, but he sat on the floor beside the television. I insisted he sit on the sofa and watch television with me while the guys were finishing their games. He refused. After 10 minutes, he left. It was unusual for this young man to visit us. Even though he was our age, he was a real fanatic when it came to the church and the Bible and the good bishop. The next night at church, I found out why he came over. The good bishop preached a long, fiery message about how it was wrong to have televisions and play domin playing dominoes was a sin. We were condemned to hell. I looked at Anthony while the good bishop was preaching. There was an expression on his face I had never seen. His cousin was looking at him too. I knew she didn't believe it was wrong to have a television because she let him have one when he lived with her. Somehow she knew the good bishop was talking about us. The ride home from church that night was long and quiet. Rain fell softly on the car's window as the noise from the wipers distracted the silence. I knew things were going to be different. My heart was full of anger. This one thing, a simple game of numbers, had placed us at the gates of hell. 
we had to make a choice. Dominoes or hell. These ivory towers would become a catalyst for destroying a strong Christian foundation my mother installed in me. If she were only here, I probably wouldn't even be married. Now there were no dreams, visions, or voices to lead me. The blinding darkness that was hard, cold, and lifeless greeted me every morning and kept me awake all during the night. There were many nights when I cried, and Anthony lay next to me aware of my tears, but would not, nor did he try to comfort me. He took on a second job just to have an excuse for not going to church. It was winter, and the bad weather was a real good excuse for missing services. After a few phone calls and visits, the members finally went away. If I saw any of them on the streets, I tried to shun them. I didn't want to hear the condemnation of hell fire they talked about. The guilt was pressing my tender heart, but I was determined to live this new life on my own. Chapter 11, Betrayal. Anthony left the church and eventually his new family. There was another woman, a member of the church named Kim. He had been sleeping with this woman for a whole year and I knew nothing of it. She and her husband, Greg, came over for dinner at least twice a month. I was too trusting. This was devastating. The ivory towers had nothing to do with Anthony's departure from the church and his family. They were only an excuse. The baby was only two years old when he left. He moved in with his sister, Nancy. She stood by Anthony regardless of what he did, and she never and she even let Kim come over to her apartment so she could be with Anthony. When the church members find out what was going on between Anthony and Kim, she was told to repent or leave the church. The good bishop came to the house and prayed for me. I was told that God was punishing me for leaving the church. If I wanted my marriage to be saved, I would have to repent and come back to the church. Anthony and I eventually got back together and rejoined the church. Kim repented and the church forgave her. Greg eventually left Kim when he caught her with Anthony in their apartment. After, she, after he left, she started to pursue Anthony even more. Anthony couldn't decide if he wanted Kim or his family. She gave me a run for my money. Anthony swore he wasn't sleeping with Kim anymore, but I didn't believe him. 
I finally got angry enough about the whole situation to confront her. One evening after dinner, I took the baby to Kathy's house and drove to Kim's apartment. I sat in my car and waited to see if Anthony would show up, and sure enough, he did. I watched him walk to the door and use a key to get in. He stayed in the apartment for about an hour. It was hard not to go to the door and start a fight right then. But I waited until he came out and drove away. When I knocked on the door, Kim refused to open it. I broke the window and came in. We had a terrible fight. I have never had a fight like that in my life. We fought until Anthony came back with some groceries. He struggled with both of us and finally pulled us apart. When I saw how bad I had scratched up her face, I almost felt bad for her. She did bite me on my thigh, but was that was nothing to compare what I did to her face. Her blood was all over the place. Kim went into the bathroom and got some alcohol to put on her face. Gosh, that was the wrong thing for her to do. She screamed and ran all over the room, begging for Anthony to help her. He tried to comfort her, and that's when I started fighting him. Anthony managed to get to his car and drive away. I threw my shoes at him when he was driving off. That was a day when I went crazy. I drove away and don't remember driving home. Anthony wasn't home when I got there. He came in about nine that night. I remember how he tried to threaten me about fighting Kim. He had to rush her to the hospital. Somehow she claimed to have gotten sick from me beating her up and was in the emergency room with a heart ailment. She could have pressed charges against me because I was definitely in the wrong. When she told Anthony about her sickness, he was upset and he was angry about the baby being at my father's house. I'm gonna pull you out and take my, I'm gonna put you out and take my baby away from you. Anthony said a lot more than that, but I distinctly remember the combination of words. I morphed into a different person, a person I wouldn't ever be able to contain. Mary had a new mind and Mary spoke with a new tongue. The curse words flowed like a river running through my mouth. The words fell in place like a sailor setting sail for a long lifetime cruise. I think the words were in my genes. It became an automatic habit that I didn't have to practice to make it sound perfect. I can't, I can still can't break the damn habit to this day. Nigga, you are a damn fool if you think I'm moving out. You and that bitch Kim will never take my baby or my house. I ran into the bedroom and opened his drawer. With a handful of his underwear and socks, I ran through the front door and threw them outside. 
I moved like lightning and dumped another drawer on the lawn before he could gather his underwear and socks. It was dark, so he had a hard time picking up the dark colored socks. He was stunned and could, ha and could barely yell for me to stop. Girl, you lost your mind. Stop, Mary. Don't make me hurt you. You just get your shit off the grass and drive away from here, or I'm going to kill you. If you think Kim is in the hospital, wait until I get a hold of your ass. He must have believed me because he gathered his clothes and drove away. I quickly gathered my thoughts and drove straight to my dad's house to pick up my baby. I entered my dad's house the way I left my house, quickly. Roundly and my dad were watching television. Kathy was gone. And daddy was trying to deal with my son and Kathy's daughter, Stephanie. Both babies were a handful and under three years old. He managed to take a big swig of beer between the tugs from the babies and said something to me. What hurricane blew you in here like this? Oh, I'm sorry, daddy. Uh, how you doing? It, it, it brought a pleasant feeling over me when I saw him struggling with both babies. I looked at Ronald and was about to speak to him, but I was surprised when I saw him take a sip of beer too. The world was falling apart around me. I had a fight with my husband's girlfriend and I threw my husband out. I said my first curse words, and now I find Ronald drinking a beer with my daddy in the same house that my mother lived and died in. So you drinking beer now? Ronald looked at daddy and then looked back at me as if he wasn't quite sure if I was talking to him. Uh, yeah, I drink a little beer sometimes since I slacked out from going to the church. I picked up Keith and sat on the sofa next to Ron. Daddy was able to get comfortable with just one baby and he cleared his throat. I could predict what he was going to say next. Y'all all ought to quit going to that damn church. That preacher ain't nothing but a big whore and a hypocrite. I knew the good bishop had his faults, as did the church members. I was thinking about Anthony and Kim and how wrong they had done me. Now it was my time to tell Daddy about my marriage. I wanted to tell him the whole story. I don't know about nobody but Anthony and Kim Smith. Anthony is sleeping with her, and I put him out tonight. Daddy took a deep breath and had a serious look on his face when he said, Now, just because he married you don't mean he's supposed to stop sleeping with other women, girl. Your mama never put me out because of another woman. This is not what he was supposed to say. He was supposed to be on my side. Then I remembered how he treated mother. A few months after she died, Daddy and Mimo 
presented two of his outside children to me and Kathy. I was shocked to meet them. A boy who was about the same age as Sherry, who looked just like me, smiled as he stood close to Daddy. Then a year later, Daddy brought his daughter to my house. The girl looked just like Kathy. She was about the same age as Ronald. It was hard to figure out why the kids looked the same, looked the way they did. Kathy looked like my mother, and I looked like my daddy. After that flash from the past, I responded to his reply. Oh, you must be crazy to think you'd understand. I forgot how you cheated on mama. And hell, you made two outside children, too. Oh, yeah, and they knew Mima too, because I heard them call her name. And guess what? She answered them. Respect, Daddy. That's what I mean. Daddy started waving his hands if, if what I said didn't mean anything. Oh, now, that, that was a long time ago. I don't know where none of them kids are now. And how you gonna take care of yourself with that baby, girl? You, the, you know, Kathy's already living here with her baby. I ain't got room for all of y'all. You and Kathy married these sorry-ass niggas that ain't worth a quarter and expect somebody. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm not mama. And secondly, I got around because since the conversation getting heated and he knew it didn't take much for daddy to set my anger off. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Anthony will be gone long enough to miss your fried chicken. And he'll move back in. Because Kim sure can cook. Dad and I looked at each other with a question mark on our faces. How do you know she can't cook? We both asked. Uh, trust me, Anthony ain't the only one that tasted her cooking. Daddy started laughing and said, yeah, Mary named after my mother for a reason. She can fry some chicken. Tastes like my mama's chicken, don't it? You want the rest of this beer, girl? I knew I was wrong for cursing, but drinking beer was going too far in one day. I don't drink, Daddy. Jesus drank wine. You might as well drink, too. You're already cursing. And them damn folk at church, all of them on their way to hell, and they sober. Here, girl, take a sip. He handed me the can of almost empty beer. I gagged as a, the bitter taste that I tasted. The rest of the piss-colored liquid found a home in my mouth. That wasn't too bad, was it? That stuff is nasty. I said after I emptied the can. Oh, you'll get used to it, won't you, Ronald? I belched loud, and they all laughed. The babies thought it was funny, too. Suddenly, I felt my stomach turn upside down. I put Keith on the sofa and hurried into the bathroom. I was in such a hurry until I didn't close the bathroom door. 
and could hear everything that was being said in the living room. Daddy talked loudly, and his voice was very clear. I bet you a dollar that girl is in a family way again. A family way? Daddy, they don't say that anymore. A woman gets pregnant. Eight months later, I gave birth to my youngest son. I named this beautiful baby boy after Anthony. The baby looked exactly like him. And Anthony and I reconciled. He and his sons were gone on Saturday playing ball games. My words to the boys were, when I see you with the ball, I better see a book too. If any discipline needed to be done, I was usually the bad guy who did it. We had a house full of kids most of the time. My baby sister, Sherry, had even joined the ranks after Mimo's health started to fail and she couldn't take care of her anymore. Kathy's kids were crazy about Anthony, too. She had four beautiful girls. My father and I started speaking to each other a lot after Sherry came to live with me. When he found out about me leaving the church, he seemed to be very happy. I thought about my mother at times and wondered, would she eventually have left the church if she was still living.